We should never open the Word of God without prayer. The Bible itself says that nobody can understand the Word of God without God's help. So it's good to acknowledge that. Amen. And uh, you see, when we really are open to the Holy Spirit, we will be blessed. And uh, I love the stories of the Exodus. I'm going over them. This is a series of sermons that I'm sharing with you for two reasons. First of all, to show that what many scholars and uh, people of renown have considered to be just fable or just myth is actually true and can be, um, there is sufficient evidence in archaeology to um, support the accounts of the Bible regarding the story of the Exodus. The miraculous um, uh, plagues in Egypt, the miraculous deliverance, the miraculous opening of the, the Red Sea, all of these things, we need to know that they are true because um, learned people with degrees are telling us that these were just stories and they joke about it. So that's the first reason, to show that there is sufficient evidence in archaeology that we can believe these stories. And that's useful, amen? You know, it, because when somebody comes along and says, well, these are just stories, you know, you can't take them seriously. You don't believe in those, do you? Especially the first 11 chapters of, of the book of Genesis. Friends, what we are finding is in the last century and in the last 25 years, we are finding amazing discoveries or archaeologists are finding amazing discoveries in the Nile Delta that show that the Israelite people actually lived and built houses in the, um, the northern part of the land of Egypt. And this is something that really strengthens our faith. The second reason why I'm sharing stories from the Exodus is because Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 12, we heard um, verse 13 being read today during our offering time, but from those four, uh, 12, chap 12 verses, we see that Paul tells us that everything that was written was for our admonition. And he's talking about the Exodus. It was for our warning, for our learning. And then he says something very interesting that in my Bible, in the margin, it says that they were types. And you know what that means is that very often in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, there will be stories, there will be the, the sanctuary service, and all of those things were a mirror or a miniature of the real thing. And so as I look at the story of Exodus, and as I read Paul under inspiration, that he says that these stories were for our admonition, for our learning, and they are types, what I deduce from that is that the things that happened to God's people, and their wandering, their complaining, their delay in entering into the heavenly Canaan, into, sorry, the earthly Canaan, is a story, is a parable that fits us today. I don't know if you've ever um, grappled with the thought, aren't we here a little bit too long? Have you ever wondered? Friends, when we understand that the children of Israel and their story is a type, and we are the antitype, we are the reality, we can see that we have a lot of praying to do if we want to get to the promised land. 
And so we went through um, and saw in part one the Pharaoh that knew Joseph. And we saw that the Pharaoh that knew Joseph, Joseph, the step pyramid at Sakkar, um, around 2630 before Christ, was actually um, built by somebody known as Imhotep, which we discovered um, had the same kind of details in his story as Joseph. There were fragments of the statue of Pharaoh Joseph um, in this uh, step pyramid. And at the base inscribed were the names of Joseph and Imhotep. And he was the chancellor of the king of the lower Egypt, chief under king, administrator of the great palace. This is Imhotep, hereditary lord, high priest of Heliopolis. And Imhotep was the builder and the sculptor and the maker of stone vases. We looked at National Geographic and we saw that Imhotep was an architect. And he, of the, the step pyramid, the physician, a priest, a founder of a cult of healing. Now this is what they did with him as, as he had um, helped the uh, Egyptian nation. Afterwards, he was in fact deified. But look at the details that we, that we read in National Geographic, January 1995, describes Imhotep, this man who saved his country from a famine. Doesn't that fit the story of Joseph? And we saw that Charles Wilbur discovered this boulder in 1890. And on this boulder were written that there had been... Um, the annual flooding of the Nile had failed. And it had failed seven years in a row. And this was in harmony with the dream that Pharaoh had and Joseph was able to interpret and show the king, the Pharaoh, what he needed to do. And then we looked at um, how he was elevated to number two in, in Egypt. Imhotep fits the characteristics of Joseph. Isn't that amazing? Friends, I am, I am so encouraged by these things. In part two, we looked at the evidence in, of ancient Israel in Egypt and the Exodus according to biblical the Biblical Archaeology Society. And evidence of hard labor and brick being, being made. And these uh, frescoes, these um, artworks actually showing that. So we can deduce from this evidence that it was the Israelites that helped build up the riches, the wealth of Egypt. Amazing. The Bible tells us that um, they not only uh, were, were building bricks, they were also uh, engaged in hard labor in the fields. And here we have another um, depiction of uh, harvesting and of um, gathering and of, of working in the fields. Part three today is entitled Moses Refused. And uh, we looked at how Moses was miraculously preserved from death. Amen? Moses was the, the deliverer that was to come. By the way, if any of you 
um, would like a, a, a book which is a, a um, compilation of the writings of Alan White on the story of the Exodus, just ask me and I might have a spare copy for you. I know the children have loved it and uh, I'll be sharing a little bit from that uh, today. Um, Moses, look at how this parallels our, our Savior, how this, this type and antitype fit together. Moses was um, to be the deliverer. And what happened was that um, the Pharaoh took Moses the first, made a decree that all the baby boys should be killed. But Moses was preserved. Even though he commanded the Hebrew um, midwives to kill all the baby boys, they did not follow his command. And Moses was kept from uh, that fate. And then we, we see that Jesus had a similar decree, a king was going to kill, try and kill the deliverer again by killing all of these um, babies, the baby boys. Moses is another type of Jesus. In researching um, for this morning's Sabbath service, I looked at Francois Duplessis. Francois Duplessis is an Adventist archaeologist who fell in love with archaeology in Lebanon in 1966 when he saw an ancient Phoenician sarcophagus and his passion for biblical research continues today. Since then he has traveled to the important archaeological sites in Iraq, Iran, Syria, Lebanon, um, Jordan, Israel, Egypt, Turkey and Armenia. And um, he has visited many uh, many sites. And if you've ever seen on Amazing Discoveries, you, you may have seen some of his presentations. Now, Moses was born, according to biblical chronology, uh, 1530 before Christ. That is during the time of Tutmosis when he ruled from 1532 to 1508 BC. Aaron, his brother, was born just before um, Tutmosis I came into rule in 1533, a year before Tutmosis came to be king. So he escaped that decree. And you may have wondered about this, but all of these historical facts help us understand with more and more clarity the story of um, the Israelite exodus. And then we have the story of the daughter of Pharaoh. The daughter of Pharaoh, according to archaeology, is Hatshepsut. And she was the one that brought Moses out of um, the Nile, who was there just floating in a, in a basket. And she, being the, the uh, Pharaoh's um, daughter adopted this little boy. And the Bible tells us very little about the time from when he was with his mother for a, a period of around 12 years, um, and then from that 12-year period to his manhood. Just look, as we, we look at this, we, we see the detail of this story. We see the hand of God in this deliverer's life. Amen? Do you know that God wants to show his hand in your life? 
He wants to be to you a deliverer. Whatever situation, friend, you may be in, don't give up. I want to encourage you to be like Moses, who refused. In, in the majority of cases, he was a good man. Amen? He stumbled and fell like us. But look at what the Bible tells us about him. He refused. He refused to give up. He, re he refused to stop believing the word of God. Amen? We need to do the same. We need to have a similar spirit as Moses. And look at what a delicate and dangerous beginning he had. And friends, so often we in our own life can see as we look back that God has his hand, his mighty hand of deliverance and of preserving our lives. Amen? That is not to say that there isn't hardship and suffering and death. Yes, we see that. We saw that all around. We saw that all around this story of how many hundreds of baby boys were killed. Friends, but hard though it may seem, God still promises in the darkest time of our experience, he promises us deliverance. And Moses is, and Jesus are assurance of that fact for you and I today. So I looked at this and I saw how little detail there was here in Exodus chapter 2 verses 10 and 11. The, the Bible says the child grew and she brought him, that was uh, Moses' mother, brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he, Moses, became her son. Now let's just think about this for a little while. We have uh, reason to believe that she knew this was a Hebrew baby. That was no surprise to her. She allows the Hebrew mother, she must have figured out that this little girl was the, the baby's brother. She could see through it. Sister, sorry. She comes, Moses' mother brings him back to, to Pharaoh's daughter and becomes her son. Now, what is going to happen to Moses? Moses is going to spend year after year in the learning of the Egyptians. And the Bible says that she called his name Moses, and she said that because I drew him out of the water. And now look at verse 11. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. Did you just see what happened in one sentence? Forty years went by. Because the next thing that verse 12 and 13 will describe is Moses seeing um, a Hebrew being mistreated and he goes out and kills the, the, the Egyptian. What happened in that first part of verse 11? It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. Well, for this, friends, we have to start doing a little research. We have to start reading. And you know, what I've noticed, one of the, the amazing things that I've noticed in reading the story of the Exodus is it's everywhere in the Bible. Everywhere. I'm beginning to see it in, in the New Testament, in the Psalms, in the Prophets. The fact that God was miraculous deliverer and brought out the Israelites with a mighty arm and destroyed the enemy, the Egyptians, is mentioned everywhere and is the basis of the promise of deliverance to God at various stages in earth's history. And so I went to the book of Acts. And I looked there and I saw Stephen just before he was being stoned. Just before he's being stoned, he gives an amazing account of the history of the Israelites. 
And he speaks about Moses and he looks and, and we, we see what he says um, here uh, in Acts chapter 7. And if you remember, um, let's see, let me just give you a, a simple quiz here. Um, how long was Moses, until what age was Moses in Egypt? How old was he, let's say, when he left Egypt? Where did you get that from? It's not, it's not in Exodus. We have to go to another part of the Bible. And in fact, we get it from um, Acts chapter 7. Uh, how long was Moses in um, Midian? Forty years. Hey, are you sure? Sister, let me tell you. Thank you for that. But the Bible said so. That the fact that Moses was, and this is why it's important, because we have, kind of have it in our mind, yet yeah, Moses was 40 years old, but it's not there in the text. You need to realize that the story of the Bible, um, the details of it are, are drawn from various parts. How long were the children of Israel wandering in the desert? 40 years, correct. But did you know that all of those facts are found in Acts chapter 7, verses 23, 30, and 36. I don't know about you, but I find it fascinating. The more that I was reading about this. So it says here in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, and Moses, he's going to put some more detail, was learned in some of the wisdom of the Egyptians. Uh, most of the learning of the Egyptians. The Bible tells us that Moses was learned. In other words, we could say that uh, he was familiar, even that he was expert in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. So here we have Moses now is, is um, Pharaoh's daughter's uh, son and he's getting all the learning, all the privileges, all the prestige, all the honor. You know, in the court of Pharaoh, Moses received the highest civil and military training. The monarch had determined to make his adopted grandson, that is Tutmosis I, had decided to make Moses his successor to the throne of Egypt. And the youth was educated for his high station. And we read that in, in those verses where um, Stephen, under inspiration, was telling the story. Isn't that an amazing thing that um, Stephen lived 1,500 years later and he corroborates the story? It kind of builds our faith in the Bible and the inspiration of God. How did he know to speak that detail? That Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians? Well, it's there. We, can, we could have deduced it but it's there under inspiration to confirm the fact. His ability as a military leader made him the favorite with the armies, with the armies of Egypt. He was commander. He was generally regarded as a remarkable character. Satan had been defeated in his purpose in trying to destroy Moses. In fact, Egypt became what um, helped to bring him to prominence and make him a great man for the time that he was there. 
By the laws of Egypt, all who occupied the throne of the pharaohs must become members of the priestly caste. Now, hang on a minute. Does that mean that, well, it said all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Does that mean that he learnt the religion of the Egyptians? Yes, it did. Moses, as heir apparent, was to be initiated into the mysteries of the national religion. His duty was committed to the priest, or this duty of educating him was committed to the priest. But this is place number one where Moses refused. Okay? I want you to notice that. And so, while he was an ardent and untiring student, he would not be induced to participate in the worship of the pagan gods. He refused. Amen? Friends, how about us today? How do we favor with so much pressure in the world today to worship God on a different day? To worship God in a different way? Friends, we need to be like Moses who refused. You know, we, we looked at last time when we were together, we, we saw how, how um, Jochebed, Moses', Moses um, mother, would have educated him and given him such an education that would have grounded him for later in life. What, what a strength a Christian education is, amen? So now he's able to refuse. He was threatened with the loss of the crown and warned that he would be disowned by the princess should he persist in his adherence to the Hebrew faith. But he was unshaken in his determination to render homage to none save the, the one God, the maker of heaven and earth. You know, friends, Jesus Christ is that maker of heaven and earth. Jesus is the creator. It is, it is him that created in the beginning six days, and it is the Lord's day, the Lord who created, that we worship him as creator, and we're told to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And so he didn't let go of that teaching to worship the Creator. He refused to be indoctrinated by the worship that was around him, the paganism that was around him. None could refute his arguments or change his purpose, yet for the time his firmness was tolerated on account of his high position. Well, he was the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, he was tolerated because of his high position. Friends, somehow, sometimes, maybe we give um, too much importance to high position. It doesn't matter what position you or I may have. What matters is that we speak and say the truth about God. Amen? So Mo Moses refused to dishonor God. And my prayer is that that would be our desire as well. Then we, we see this, when we, we, we see all, all the glory that Moses had and the position of, the, the highest position of the world, the greatest nation of the world was offering him there to be king. And he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And Moses was trained to succeed Pharaoh. But what does the Bible tell us 
about that period of his life. Again, we have to go to another book of the Bible. Let's go to another man under inspiration, Paul, in the book of Hebrews, says the following. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 and 26. By faith, when he was come to years, Moses, that is, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Again, here's an interesting phrase that would um, seem to describe the, the growing up of, of uh, Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It seems like they were giving him an ultimatum. They're saying, Moses, you need to conform now. You need to conform to our religion. So it seems that around the age of 40 was when the maximum amount of pressure was put on him. But the Bible says that when he was come to years, it seems like at around when he was 40 years of age, he um, refused to be called son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Now, I wonder how you feel today. God's people, his remnant people, are not in the majority. We are ridiculed. Uh, we are maligned. That means people say lies about us. We uphold the truths of the creator, of Jesus and his word. We're not popular. Christianity in general isn't, isn't, isn't popular, let alone what about being the remnant, even less, right? But you see, Moses refused to have all of the riches of the world. He preferred to be part of a minority. He preferred to be evil spoken of, but to be on the Lord's side. Amen? You see, friends, to follow God is not always a glorious and self-exalting thing. If you're looking for position, power, and self-exaltation, -exalt um, I wouldn't recommend you being part of the remnant. But I want to be a part of the remnant, and I hope you do too. And we have to be like Moses and refuse the things that the devil is trying to offer us. Worldly position, pride, riches, wealth. What about the pleasures of sin? We better understand this. You see, there, the devil has, has made it in a way that there is a strange hypnotic pleasure in sin. It's kind of a, a bewitching thing. And we need to refuse that. We need to say no. We need to um, be like Moses and refuse. Amen? Rather, being pref preferring to suffer affliction. And you know, people will say terrible things about us just because we're different. We go to church on a different day. But we're called to bear it willingly. And God, who is in control, will deliver his people. Amen? I love that. He will deliver us. And so he did all that rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses was fitted 
to take preeminence among the great of the earth, to shine in the courts of the most glorious kingdom, to sway the scepter of its power. His intellectual greatness distinguishes him above the great men of all ages. Moses was the greatest man of his time. As historian, poet, philosopher, general of armies, and legislator, he stands without a peer, without equal, yet with the world before him, he had the moral strength to refuse the flattering prospects of wealth and greatness and fame, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses had been instructed in regard to the final reward to be given to the humble, to the obedient. Worldly gain, therefore, sank to its proper insignificance in comparison. And all of this was by faith. You know, Stephen, in his inspired recounting of the history of the Israelites, said that this of, of Moses. Moses said that there would be a deliverer. And he put it in this way. He says, this is that man Moses, as Stephen was speaking, describing Moses. And then he quotes what Moses said, which said unto the children of Israel, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall you hear. That's an amazing prophetic statement of, of Jesus. One from your brethren shall come up like me, said Moses. And he shall be one that you need to hear and listen to. So we, we see again another corroboration of the Old Testament story being fulfilled uh, in, from, from type in antitype. And then as we look at Jesus, friends, we see a man with like passions as you and I. Created or born, shall I say, of a woman like you and I. But Jesus, like Moses, also refused. Amen? And we'll get to the later part of um, Moses' story where he was killing an Egyptian because he thought that the people should know how he was to be the deliverer next time we meet. For today, I want us just to find, finish up on looking at Jesus briefly because Jesus refused. Let us think about some of the things that Jesus refused to do in the temptation in the wilderness. Jesus refused to turn the stones into bread to feed himself. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus refused to follow his feeling. He refused to give up on the mission that God had given him. Amen? And so in the garden of Gethsemane, he is sweating drops of blood because he refused to waver from the course that God had given him. Friends, God has given a course to you and I. We must refuse to waver from it. We must always stand on the word of God. We must always stand on the principles of truth. We must, like Moses and Jesus, refuse. What, what about on the cross? Jesus refused to allow the agony and the shame of what was going on with him to bring him down from the cross. Praise God that Jesus refused 
He held on by faith. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read, Wherefore, seeing chapter 12, verse 1, we also are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Friends, sin will slow you down. Sin will keep you from the kingdom. We need to refuse sin and its seductiveness in the power of God. Amen. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run the race with patience. It's hard enough. It's going to be grueling enough without the weight of sin on us. There's going to be hardship. There's going to be shame. There's going to be loss. Financial loss. Health. Loved ones. But we must refuse to give up. Amen. Looking unto Jesus. That is what will keep you going, friends. Refuse to take your eyes off of Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus refused to allow present pain to keep him from future gain. That's how we need to live. Recite it over and over. God will never leave me. He will never forsake me. God will answer my prayer. So long as we hold on to Jesus in faith, friends, and refuse to listen to the devil's lies, we will be victorious. We will have the deliverer come and save us at midnight at the darkest hour of our experience, at the darkest time in earth's history. Friends, I am so encouraged because if I looked to myself and to those around me, I would be greatly discouraged. Friends, but don't be discouraged in your failure. I don't need to be discouraged in my failure. In fact, what I do is that I acknowledge my weakness and my sinfulness and my mistakes by God's grace. And you know, when we do that, friends, God says that my grace is sufficient for you. Shall we say that together? God says to us, my grace is sufficient for you. We refuse by faith. You know, we need to kind of brainwash ourselves a little. We need to be careful with what we watch, with what we listen to. We need to be careful what we do with those that share doubt and criticism. We need to refuse those things. Like Moses, we need to refuse the influences that are pressing to make us change from the straight course of following God and his word. We must refuse it, friends, at all costs. Jesus refused to be swayed, though it made him sweat drops of blood. For consider him that endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. The, secrets, the secret of endurance for you and me is to look to Jesus. Consider him. Look at how he suffered. Look to Jesus. And that will be our strength to refuse everything that the enemy throws at us. Friends, we need to hold on to Jesus now more than ever before. The word of God is true. The prophecies are true. Jesus is coming soon. But we must not 
continue our wandering. We need to keep our focus on Jesus as never before. We need to come together for prayer. We need to look out for one another. We need to be a home of security and of love. Friends, I don't know about you, but I believe that God will fulfill his promise and he will deliver us. He will send a mighty deliverer. He will send a mighty deliverer to you and to me, to God's church. But we must refuse the attacks of the enemy. We must refuse to be swayed. We must look to Jesus because by beholding we are what? We are changed. You know, in closing, I'd just like to share with you my wife and I, a few days ago, uh, were reading from the Scriptures. And we just read from John chapter 14. And we read John chapter 14. And we read, carried on reading John chapter 15. We carried on reading John chapter 16. And we just noticed there how much Jesus wanted to let his disciples know that he would never leave his people. He would never leave the disciples that he would send a comforter, that he would send a comforter in his name. And the Father would, would come uh, in the form of the Holy Spirit. The times that this was repeated, the times that Jesus would say, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do. Friends, and as we were, were reading this and as we, we were listening to the words of Jesus and applying them to ourselves, it gave us strength for another day. Jesus in, in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace. I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I am the vine, you are the branches. The desire that God has in Jesus to be connected to us was so encouraging as we read through these, these chapters. Chapter 16, verse 33, And these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. We must never take our eyes off Jesus, my friends. In me you may have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Wow. Don't be surprised when you start to suffer some. But you know what? God gives us strength to go through anything. Amen? In the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. How can we be of good cheer? Is Jesus just kind of trying to rub the fact, rub it in our face that he overcame and, and he was... Um, uh, Victor and, and we're not, was he trying to show the distinction, keep us separate from him? No, not at all. He was saying, because I have overcome only through prayer. I have overcome only as a human can overcome. Everything I have done is because I have prayed and asked my heavenly Father to give it to me. And that's why Jesus can say to his disciples that the works that I do, you will do greater. And greater works, because I go to the Father. He was showing his disciples at every step how to be victorious and how to refuse the um, attacks of the enemy. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Because I have overcome, 
you can overcome as well. Friends, I pray that we may overcome in the strength of Jesus, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who will send us a deliverer for you right now, who need a deliverer. Go to him. Come to him as you are. You need it. I need it. We all need it. But let us refuse to give up. Amen? Let us be like Moses, not to be attracted by the things of this world. We must refuse in the strength and power of Jesus Christ as our deliverer. May God bless us all. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.